Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we're coming to you from our sanctuary, and we're in phase one here of our opening, but um, just doing a video recording from here and uh, wanting to convey uh, just the message from our church today and remember uh, that we're still a family together, and we hope that uh, you feel a part of our family as you're listening in today. You know, this week has been a, a tumultuous week for many, many people. Uh, it's been a difficult week. Uh, after the murder of George Floyd and seeing that video of his suffering and then his death, it's forever going to be etched in our minds. Uh, this year, 2020, is uh, just a, a difficult year, starting in January with the pandemic, and now uh, we have a racial pandemic that's happening with people um, really outraged uh, or discouraged, uh, some protesting, uh, some are uh, just contemplating what this all means. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we did this week was we had our prayer meeting on Wednesday, and uh, we were just praying and seeking the Lord, and the Lord led us to an attribute of His that's taken uh, in one of the verses it's taken from, it's in several verses in the Bible, but in Job uh, chapter uh, 12, 13, it says, To God belong wisdom and power, counsel and understanding. And so we thought about this. God is understanding. When we don't have any understanding, we can depend upon him and we can come to him and draw close to him for understanding. What does understanding actually mean? Well, it's one who has empathetic or tolerant recognition of somebody else's nature or situation. It's being able to understand what somebody else is going through. And if there's one person that understands what we're going through, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God himself. And he comes to us in our understanding, and he wants to expand our understanding of what's going on in this world. You know, we all need to grow in understanding in these times. What is God saying to us? What does he want to say into our lives and what will make us draw closer to him and depend upon him even more? And that's something that God wants to do in our lives. Um, I was uh, out with uh, golfing the other day and one of the people I was golfing with found out I was a pastor and he said, hey, uh, Al, what do you think God is, do you think God is mad at us? And I said, no, I don't think God is mad at us. I think God is giving us a wake-up call. God is trying to get our attention to turn to him and seek him. There's a verse in Micah 6.8 that says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And when I look at that verse, I see three things there that God wants us to do. It's to act justly, it's to love mercy, and it's to walk humbly with him. It's almost like three legs of the stool. If one is out of balance, if one is emphasized more than the other, the stool falls down. It can't hold anything. And I think God is calling us to more of a social justice, to understand what social justice means to understand what love and mercy really means to us and what it means to walk humbly and dependently upon him. These are the days that we're living in 
And this is the call that God has on each of our lives, and he wants us to draw closer to him. So let's pray. You know, I don't feel uh, equipped or even qualified to talk about a topic such as racial reconciliation. But I've had some experience, in, and I know all of us have had some experience about differences that we've had with people. And the principles in the Bible apply to this situation that we're in right now. So let's ask the Lord to teach us. Father, we ask that today you would give us understanding, that you'd give us empathy and understanding to the situation that we find ourselves in as families, as community, as a church, as a nation, as a global family of the body of Christ. We pray, Father, that you would give us your understanding we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was listening to a message by uh, Tony Evans, and uh, he's a pastor in uh, Texas, uh, African-American pastor in Texas, and he talked about in uh, one of his books and one of his messages about embracing racial oneness. And uh, he used an illustration you know, I've, I've always heard of this uh, Humpty Dumpty. Have you heard of that nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty? It goes, it's very simple to uh, say. I always remember it even as a child. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, and, it, and uh, Tony Evans, you know, just kind of described it. You know, Humpty Dumpty, he found a wall. He sat on the wall. Uh, he looked down from the wall, and all of a sudden, he was at the bottom of the wall, all broken. And everybody that came to help him couldn't help him. Humpty Dumpty was broken. And then he said, you know, in our society that we're living in, we think that the government, all the king's horses, and all the king's men can put us back together again. And a lot of times when we, look, when we think about that Humpty Dumpty story, you may be thinking, well, who's Humpty Dumpty? Is it uh, the person in a position on the far right, or is it a person on the position on the far left? But really, I believe Humpty Dumpty is you and I. We have to identify as Humpty Dumpty. We've fallen into sin, and we're broken, and we can't depend on anybody but the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, to put us back together again. You see, we're broken, we're hurting inside, and unless we're healed, we will hurt other people. Because a lot of times we speak and we think out of our own woundedness and hurt. And sometimes we're just blinded to the other person's hurt and woundedness, and we lash out at them or judge them in the wrong way. You know, there was the church and... Uh, the, the church that began, and we, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the book of Acts on, and talked about Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came and there were people gathered from so many different nations and so many different cultures and so many different languages, speaking different languages. And when the Holy Spirit came uh, and filled them, they began to speak in other tongues and people heard them speaking the praises of God in their own language. And it drew the attention to them of the message of Peter who said, you need to repent and be baptized and come to Jesus Christ and you'll be forgiven of your sin and then the Holy Spirit will come in you and then you will have an impact on other people. 
And really, we need to get back to that truth, that we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. But it was interesting, when the church grew and it started, it was a multicultural, multi-ethnic group of people, multi-generational. And Paul is addressing these people that are so diverse, and he calls them to racial oneness and unity in Christ. And to begin to see themselves, to see, recognize their differences, uh, you, can't get apart, you can't get away from that fact that we are different. Uh, in uh, maybe our ethnicity, the color of our skin outwardly, personality-wise, in so many different ways we're different. But then he draws them into this place and into this truth of being one in Christ. And that's something that we could learn today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says, Here, meaning in the church, there is no Gentile or Jew, meaning that you know, the Jews were uh, the chosen people of God. And Paul is saying, uh, no, there's, there's not just the Jews are the chosen people, the Gentiles, all the other people that represent all the other countries, the Jews would say anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. So that includes every ethnicity, every nation. Circumcised or uncircumcised, some that have a religious tradition, a Hebrew, Hebraic uh, tradition, or those that were uncircumcised that had no tradition at all, but that just came to faith in Christ just as they were. And then there's those that are barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. The barbarian was, or Scythian was somebody that spoke another language that was different than you, that you couldn't understand. A lot, many people couldn't understand if they didn't know that language. So they were people that came from different groups that had different languages. And then slave or free. Some people were bond slaves and some people were free. Paul always said, seek your freedom. Uh, if you can, be free. But then if you were not free, you were no different than somebody that was free. Because Christ is in all and it, Christ is all and is in all. And that made the difference in their community, in their relationships with one another. And then he says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, you're holy and you're dearly loved. And he says, that's your identity. You are chosen. You may be from different places, maybe different uh, experiences, different histories, but you're chosen and you're holy and you're dearly loved. And then he says something amazing. He says, then, therefore, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and patience because there's going to be differences among you and you're going to have to have gentleness, patience, respect for one another's perspective and understanding. Well, how did they do that? How did the church grow and turn the world upside down? How did they, under an oppressive government, a Roman empire, how did they turn the world upside down? Was it their demonstrations or was it their protests or was it it's the rioting or usurping the government's authority? No, it was through the love. It was through the power of the gospel to transform a life and cause people to love one another in truth and in love and in caring. But they, in order for that to happen, they had to put off something and then put on something. What did they put off? 
Well, the Bible says, the Colossians 3, verses 8 through 10 says this, But now you must also rid yourselves of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And then he says, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. You might, you, you might have came in here acting and being motivated by that. But when you came to Christ, you put off those things and you put off those practices and you put on the new self. You put on something new. And that is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator. And then he said, I want you to see other people that are made in the image of God. That every person, whether they're a believer or not, is made in the image of God, has value and worth. And I believe God is calling us back to that truth again. He really wants us to understand that. So, you know, what, we are, what's, what are we supposed to do? I believe that, you know, we're going to have communion this uh, Sunday after, after uh, this message. But I think God wants us to, as believers, to assess any prejudices that we have or false assumptions or our hurts or wounds that may be influencing us in how we act or think or perceive this problem, and ask God for his understanding, his wisdom, and insight. You know, we need insight and wisdom, not only for protesters and people that are, are um, um, really standing up for this uh, injustice that happened to George Floyd, but we also have to have understanding and wisdom for police officers and law enforcement people that are trying to keep the peace. And I have friends that are on both sides of this issue. And I know people in our church that are really, um, you know, have different opinions on what's going on. But we need to get God's perspective on it. And I believe one of the things that we can do is what it says in these next verses after he calls us his holy and dearly loved people. He says this, bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is this huge principle that enters into all conflicts if conflicts are going to be solved and if there's going to be reconciliation, if people are going to be friends, there first has to become forgiveness. There has to be acknowledgement of the grievances that happened, but then there has to be forgiveness that happens. I remember when I first was called into ministry, I went into an African-American community in Newark, New Jersey. And at that time, I was young. I was, had just read The Cross and the Switchblade. I believed I was somebody like David Wilkerson that I would uh, just come into that community and everybody would get saved and the whole city would be turned around. But it was difficult. I found difficulty because some of my assumptions were false. One of them was that the church in the inner city of Newark was weak or didn't have the strength or else the issues that were happening wouldn't be happening if it was stronger. I soon learned that uh, that, that was a false assumption. The other thing that I found out was I looked at the history of our organization, and we had a man who was on our board, 
and had invited this, our, our uh, ministry to come in and to minister in Newark. And then when he invited us in, somebody in our organization then had him leave the board, kind of forced him out. I found out about that later on as I began to study why we were having such problem connecting with the pastors around us. And didn't realize we had a reputation of being individualistic, having our own agenda, and not really teaming with people. So I went to Bishop Gilmore, and I just humbly confessed that of what we had done wrong, and having him uh, kicked off the board, and and um, and and he was a a real strong Christian man and leader, well respected throughout the community. It was our loss. It was really our loss that we did not team with him. And I began to see that, uh, that God wants us to work together with one another across racial lines, across the differences that we have. That's what the scripture says, over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. I was so thankful that Bishop Gilmore forgave me. We started to pray together. We started to have a prayer meeting with other pastors, and I got to meet other pastors in Newark, and we would pray together every Tuesday, and we would pray for revival in our churches, and we invited each other to our churches to speak and to be together, and it was a wonderful thing that happened. But it happened because we began to see that we had false assumptions about each other, and especially from my end, I had false assumptions. Well. I want to just share one more illustration with you, and that's uh, about mayonnaise. Yeah, real mayonnaise. I know Lori likes this on her uh, submarine sandwich or your hero, and uh, so do I, but uh, have you ever thought about the ingredients of mayonnaise? The two first ingredients are, are oil and water, two things that cannot mix together. And you see this jar of mayonnaise, it's all together mixed up. But what is the thing that brings them together? It's the emulsifier. It's the thing that changes those two into one new thing called mayonnaise. And it's the egg yolk. It's the egg yolk that's the emulsifier. Do you know in the church, Jesus Christ is the emulsifier. The Holy Spirit and the presence of God is the emulsifier within us and among us to love each other and to care for each other. And without the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus at work in our life teaching us to forgive one another, we're going to end up separated from one another, broken from one another. Humpty Dumpties that are on their own, that all the king's horses and all the king's men could never put back together again. You know, God wants us to, to really have a heart for one another. And I'm not just talking about in the church or in our nation. We need to begin at home. We need to begin at home in our relationship with our family members, whether you're married or whether you're single, whether your family is together close to you or you're separated from them. We need to reach out to family members. And then we need to reach out to one another in our church. I'm so glad that we have a church that is multicultural, multi-ethnic, and we're growing in that. We need to grow more in that area. But God wants us to be that, those kind of people. So what are some steps to racial reconcil reconciliation that we can take? 
what are some things that we can be aware of? One is to gain a deeper understanding and empathy for those that are different from us. You know, that we need to do our own inventory. You know, we're going to have communion today, so we want to do an inventory of our own lives. Are there things that are hindering us from communicating or loving other people because of our false assumptions or just our sin nature? The second thing is we need to listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Listen to the person that maybe you're in conflict with or you don't understand. Try to understand and listen to their history, their story. And listening and understanding is empathizing. It's being in their shoes or at least trying to be and trying to understand. And then the third thing is live out the principles of bearing with one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. I mean, how much has God forgiven us? He's forgiven us everything. He's forgiven us everything, and then he's not only forgiven us, but he loves us, and he calls us his dearly loved children. Let's be that. Let's be that. And then what God wants us to do is stand up and speak for those that cannot stand up and speak for themselves. We need to be about justice. We need to be about mercy, and we need to be about humbly walking with our God in this. We're not the Messiah, Jesus is. But he can use us. We can be a bridge builder. We can be an emulsifier. If we've been emulsified, then we can also emulsify others by our love. And I always remember when I moved into the inner city, somebody said, I, I said, I don't feel qualified to do this. I don't feel qualified to cross racial lines, to be cross-cultural. And my pastor said to me one thing I'll never forget. He said, Al, the one thing that you need in your life is the love of Christ, and it can cross any culture and move any barrier if that's truly the love of Christ in you. And that's what we need today, people. That's what we need. We need the love of Christ in our lives more than ever, more than ever. So let's pray. Let's ask God as we come to the communion table, let's ask him to speak into our lives. Father God, we come before you. We think of Jesus who came into our fallen world to come into our brokenness and put us back together so, Lord, that you could use us to be a change agent in this world. We pray for our families. We pray for our community. We pray for our church. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world that is in turmoil now. And we pray that, Lord, you would use us as part of the answer through our prayers, through our actions, through our thoughts, through any way that we can do that, Lord. Use us, we pray, to bring healing into people's life, to make injustices made right, to care and love and respect one another. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus.